The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. Lord. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, to you Christ. Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Every civilization has at its core an ideology or a worldview that animates it, drives it, and strengthens it in a time of trouble. There is no neutrality. Every person, likewise, has core beliefs. These prized beliefs of ultimate value are what drive them, and you and me, to live the way that we live. It could be that a civilization will believe in certain gods that must be appeased for the crops to come in. So an entire system may be established to keep its survival going. Temples may be erected. Children may be sacrificed. The daily life may uh, revolve around keeping the vengeance of the sun god at bay. Think Aztecs. It could be that a civilization will believe in no gods at all, but that we can form a social contract and that with some small sacrifices, we'll have enough for all. Superstition must be rooted out, for this civilization really believes that progress and science and technology can provide for our every need. It isn't the gifts of any one person that matter, but what can be accomplished when we all work together. Think Marxism. Or it could be that a civilization holds humanity in such high esteem that individual rights and freedom are the most important goal. It's legal, economic, and political systems will all be designed to honor and protect the dignity of its citizens. What people do with that freedom is up to them. No doubt they will make a mess of it, perhaps more often than not, but because freedom is so important, the civilization has as its goal to create it and preserve it think America, maybe late 18th century. There are many other examples of a, a kind of society that people work together to build, that, that, that is their way of seeing things that animates their every action. 
But I think we get some pretty good examples that are playing out in this exchange between Jesus and Herod. Yeah, I would actually argue that in essence we have two divergent and conflicting understandings of the way the world ought to be that are summarized in this very brief exchange where it is made clear that Herod wants to kill Jesus and Jesus in turn calls him a fox, which is quite an insult, and says that he is not backing off one inch. But maybe, just maybe, we can sketch out what God hoped for Jerusalem before considering how Herod, in a long line of others, of course, had made such a mess of it. And perhaps there is no better place to look than Genesis 15, when God speaks to Abram and makes a covenant with him. Having established a relationship with Abram, God enters into this covenant with him. And he promises him land and, uh, you know, children as numerous as the stars of the sky. It's a blessing so great that the old man can scarcely believe it. Jerusalem, then, is a land to be inhabited by God's people, provided for by God's grace, and given limits by God's law. That's the ideal picture given to Abram. Paradise? No. But the next best thing, a land and a people defined by an intimate relationship with the God who has sealed his gracious intention in a covenant, a promise that he will not break. Now, it is over 500 years between that covenant given to Abram and, you know, the offspring of Abraham, the children of Joseph, the tribes in Egypt, and Moses' exodus finally leading them into this promised land. But the people of God do indeed receive this promise, and they are indeed many. God kept his promise. Through his specific intervention and blessing, God provides for his people in some miraculous ways, like through the manna, for example, and then, of course, in usual ways, the ways that we are provided for still to this day by God. He speaks to them through the law given to Moses and through the prophets to tell them how to have a prosperous life if they would only listen. Did Israel listen then? Well, if we've read the Old Testament, we know that often not. For example, they demand a king, and they worship other gods. And by the time of Jesus, especially as seen in Herod, the idealistic community and land envisioned by Abram was, sad to say, long gone. And that explains Jesus' terrific disappointment with Jerusalem and with Herod. Herod was a sellout at best. Really, he was a politician in the worst sense of that word who cut deals with the Romans to enjoy a life of wealth. He was corrupt and immoral, a godless 
power-hungry, ambitious, inheritor of a puppet's throne who did not promote or teach the goodness of his own heritage. Jerusalem should have been a city that demonstrated to the world that following the way of God produced abundance and peace. Instead, they chose through the centuries not to follow God, but rather to become corrupted by money and power. Jesus is out there in the wilderness, giving the Sermon on the Mount, healing the sick, raising the dead, and calling the people away from the small promises of politics and drawing them into the kingdom of God. He is a threat, then, quite naturally, to Herod's authority. And that's why Herod's father tried to kill Jesus when he was just a baby. Remember, that's why they went into Egypt. And now Herod Jr. has the same in mind. Jesus is calling people to a life that is not defined by money and power. He is gathering disciples that cannot be bribed or uh, bought or flattered. He is building a nation inside of a nation with a king and lord that is not Herod or Pilate or Caesar. And perhaps most importantly, he is strengthening the resolve of his followers so that they are not afraid. Over and over, we see in the scripture the command, some say it's the most common command in all of the scripture, be not afraid. Well, nothing pleases a government bureaucrat or a full-on tyrant more than your being afraid. For when you fear, you need them. You turn to them to solve all of your problems. So the scriptures tell us always, do not be afraid, rely on God. Now, sadly, either because the, warrants, uh, the, the events of the day really warrant it, or maybe because we're really being manipulated well, some days I don't know, fear kind of seems to be the order of our own day. From war to inflation to biological novelties, we have not been given a break from the chattering voices promoting fear for years. We're exhausted by those who, like Herod, play politics with everything. We can easily feel powerless in our fear, like things are out of our control. Is that how Jesus felt? Back to his confrontation with Herod. Nope. He shot back at Herod with defiance. Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. In the third day, I finish my course. In other words, I will accomplish what I set out to accomplish. I will gather my people. They will fulfill the covenant that God made with Abram. Through me, the descendants of Abram or Abraham will be as plentiful as the stars in the sky. And of course, Jesus does prevail. Herod, the one who would kill Jesus, well, he dies a horrible death. It's actually recorded for us in Acts 12. There, Luke writes of Herod, 
after he had spoken to the people, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Gross. Hope not to die in that way. I mean, I'll be eaten by worms after I'm dead, but, you know, hope not somewhere around the same time. In 70 AD, of course, the city of Jerusalem is sacked by Rome. The confrontation comes to a head and the temple is destroyed. In all of the political games that Herod played, now they are totally done. But the followers of Jesus, well, they multiply. And the good news is spread all over the world. And the covenant that God made with Abram, it is still in effect today. The covenant with Moses, we argue that's been fulfilled. But the covenant with Abraham continues. You are part of that covenant. You are the children of Abraham, whose number as many as the stars in the sky. And so it will always continue. God is always fulfilling this covenant with Abraham. The Herods of the world are still scheming. And like Jesus, it is our sacred duty to tell them to buzz off, to call them out for their scheming plans, for, to call them out for the devils that they are, and to build an alternate world as Jesus was building with his followers, one that is marked by the fruits of the gospel. The Herods of the world will sell you out in a heartbeat. They will make Jerusalem a den of robbers. Luther observed the same of Rome on his visit there in 1510. Google that sometime and just read about how disgusted he was, how hopeful he was when he went, and how disgusted he was when he saw what the great city of Rome had become. And therefore, wherever we live, whatever time, whatever place, let us claim for ourselves this covenant with Abraham. I'm not saying that works will save, of course, but the world will benefit when we build a parallel world marked by God's grace. And we invite all to join in. For in this space, we are defined not by war and money and power, but by love and grace and order and peace. Never forget, Christian, that part of your work is to build this world so that when the Herods of the world meet their inevitable end, we will be there to rebuild Jerusalem in God's image according to his word, out of love for our neighbor. Yes, that really is our ambition. More than just getting along and hoping to exist side by side as long as we can, really our goal is to outlast Herod and then to build something far better than he certainly ever could have imagined. Amen. Yeah.